0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Pastor Mike here. Before we get into today's message, I want to invite you to listen to this podcast to the very end because I'm going to be back and tell you about some more great ways to stay connected to Jesus. Man, I said yes to that sin a thousand times, but today is a new day and I can do all things through the one who gives me strength, the one who gives me hope. I'm not giving up. I am not giving in. I don't have to because there is a faithful God who walks with me. Have you ever stopped to wonder why there are four words that show up so often during this time of the year that don't show up that much during other times of the year? The words hope, and joy, and peace, and love. Like if a couple months ago I would have said to you, it's August, the season of hope. You would have said, well, what? The holidays in December and Christmas time, that just sounds right, but not August, or February, the time of joy. Like, what is it historically and traditionally that we take those four words and just cram them into everything we do at this time of year? And the answer, the the history books could actually tell us. You ready to go on a 2,000-year history ride? How about this? Uh, In the centuries after Jesus walked the earth, Um, the followers of Jesus, called Christians, started to come up with traditions to remember all these things that Jesus said and did and the promises that he made. And in about the 500s, there was a group of French Christians who decided that near the end of the calendar year, they were going to fast or not eat any food for three days a week to remind themselves that they were hungering for the return of Jesus Christ, what the Bible calls the Judgment Day. And in the next century, the 600s AD, there was a Catholic pope named Gregory the Great who decided to make that time of the year official. The four Sundays before Christmas would now be called the season of Advent. Uh, Advent is a Latin word that means coming because those French Christians were thinking about the the second coming of Jesus. And they kind of tacked on his birth to that, the first coming and the second coming. That was what the season was all about. Fast forward about a millennium, go to the 1500s in Germany and some Christians there decided to come up with this wreath where they'd plop four candles in it and light them Sunday after Sunday during Advent and to them those candles symbolized their hope and their peace and their joy and their love that they had with Jesus now personally as a as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus I'm not too riled up you know that we don't keep every tradition that ancient Christians used to that's man made stuff that Jesus didn't teach, so it's not required. But what does honestly concern me a little bit is that people like you and people like me, we maybe have lost sight of four of the Bible's best words. Like, we still use them. We still talk about the power of hope and all you need is love and you can rejoice today or wouldn't it be great to have peace on earth. Like, we repeat these things and use these words, but is it possible? that we've lost connection with their original meaning. Like if I forced you, just like handpicked a person and made you sit up here on this stool and in front of everyone else in church, everyone watching online, watching at home, I grilled you and said, what's hope? And is joy just happiness or something different? And what is biblical peace? Tell me. Would you break a sweat? Uh, the answer is pr- probably. We, we like kind of, maybe sort of know, but we're, we're not positive. And uh, personally, I think that's a problem. Uh, because you, by God's design, are kind of like a, a fancy new cell phone. Like, the way that God made you and your soul is that you have incredible potential. Like, if God could fill you up with His word and His spirit and His truth, you could do things that would, would be like hard for your neighbors to believe. And so God gives you these words, it's like the power cord that he plugs into you. Words like hope and joy and peace and love and so many more. But but the problem is, if you unplug those words from the wall, if we take those four amazing Bible words and like divest them, unplug them from their original biblical meaning, what eventually happens to you? Well, the same thing, what happens to your phone? You're connected, but not really. And so that's the problem I want to fix. Uh, If I was going to summarize my goals for this sermon series, it would simply be to take you and these words and to plug them back in. To open this book and find all the places where it talks about hope and joy and peace and love and to be able to charge up our hearts with all that God originally intended with those words. Let's kick things off today with our first word, the word hope. I love what Dr. Dale Archer wrote in an article in Psychology Today about hope. Uh, He said this, if I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. Hope is what helps addicts get sober. Life could be different. Hope is what happens when a married couple separates, but they work on it hard in counseling and get back together. The future could be different. Hope is someone who's living with guilt and shame, but they think, you know, if I would seek God and cling to the cross of Jesus, I wouldn't have to feel like this when I wake up. And so Dr. Archer is right. Hope is powerful. It is more powerful than any pill, any promise the world can make. God knows that we need hope. Uh, But, (laughs) but have you ever noticed how people use the word hope? Uh, I hope so. Um, Is tomorrow going to be a good day? I hope so. I I hope my team wins the game today. Uh, I hope my kid stops talking back and rebelling against me. I, I hope we can work things out. I hope they find a cure. I hope the American government stops being so crazy. I, ho- I hope the headlines stop. I hope the racism ends. I-, I hope mom and dad can stop arguing. I hope. Is it likely to happen? I, I hope so. <laughs> you know, we throw the word hope onto anything that we kind of want or kind of wish or that we'd kind of prefer, but is it guaranteed? Um, Is it probably going to happen? Is it maybe going to happen? Is it a long shot? We throw the word hope on top of all of that. And when we do that, here's the tragic part, we unplug the amazing word hope from what God intended it to be. Hope becomes some pie-in-the-sky wish and the power of hope that literally can change hearts and lives gets lost. But that is why I'm glad you're here today. Because today, I get to share with you some of the nerdy Bible research that I got to do this month. I went from cover to cover in this book with the help of some wonderful Bible software and read every single passage that mentions the word hope. 180 of them from cover to cover. And what I found in this book is so much better than some human want or some random wish or some, I hope so, kind of sentiment. What I found in all these passages is real hope that can make a real difference in your family, in your faith, and in your life. Now, if you're watching at home on TV, I know the clock is ticking until the next show begins. And uh, if you're here live, you're thinking, 180 passages. It's going to be a long night. So we ain't got time for all that. So there's three things I want to cover with you today. Uh, I just want to open up to three different passages about hope, three pretty famous ones. And I want to answer, what is hope? Where is hope? And who needs hope? So we're going to open this book, we're going to answer the what and the where and the who, and God willing, we're going to get plugged into the power of hope. All right, so let's start with the first part. What exactly is hope? Now, sometimes on occasion, the Bible will use the word hope like you and I do. The Apostle Paul will say, "I I hope I get out of jail and get to see you face to face. But most of the time, the Bible reserves the word hope for something much better and much more of a blessing for us. Let me give you one passage to prove it. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and in verse 17, Paul says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Now notice Paul's logic. Paul says to his pastor friend Timothy, I want you to tell all the rich people in your church not to put their hope in money. And did you catch his reasoning? Because it's so uncertain. If there are people, Timothy, at your church who think, if I just got the promotion, if I could just pay off these debts, if God would just bless me with a, a winning ticket for the lottery, if I could double my income, my future would be so much better. But Paul says, maybe but if you grew up like I did in the 90s and you loved hip-hop like I did, you might remember the song Mo Money, Mo Problems. Have you ever heard that one? (laughs) Notorious B.I.G., he told us sometimes more money doesn't make life better, sometimes it gives you more problems. It's not a certain place to put your hope. And man, if you live in 21st century America, we could say that about a lot of stuff, right? You put your hope in your Christmas list, like it's going to make next year better, (laughs) just like you did last year. Uh, you put your hope in a, a new election, in a new bill, in new legislation. You, you put your hope in the latest social media post, the latest video game, the latest project at work, the latest relationship, the latest date you go on. Like, will that make life better? Well, maybe. But Paul didn't want Timothy to let the Christians in his city connect the word hope to something so uncertain. And so he says, tell them not to put their hope in money, but to put their hope in God. So if someone asked me, Pastor Mike, what does the word hope mean? Grab your pen, because here's the answer that I would give. What is hope? I would call it a for sure future. So let me ask you to put down your pens, your phones, your devices, especially if you're watching at home, and let me see if you got it. All right, I'm going to say something about the future. And if what I say sounds like biblical hope, if it's guaranteed and for sure, I want you to give me a double thumbs up. Um, If it is very, very unlikely to happen, I want you to give me a double thumbs down. And if it's uh, maybe kind of, sort of, I hope so, you can give me one up and one down. Okay, you got it? Let's see if you understand biblical hope. Uh, I hope the coronavirus is the last pandemic we ever face on this planet. Probably not if you know the history of the world. Okay, I hope that God our Father will be with us during the next pandemic. Yes, he will. I hope it will be 78 degrees tomorrow. (laughs) If you're watching in Fort Myers, Florida, that's a maybe, but here in Wisconsin, I'm seeing a lot of double thumbs down. I hope that Jesus will walk with us no matter what the temperature tomorrow I hope that when my daughters are teenagers, they love it when I hold their hands and walk down the high school hallways. (laughs) What? (laughs) You're killing me, parents. How about this? I, I hope that Jesus will forgive me for the stuff I'm scared to confess to other people. Yes, he will. I hope God will use my separation, my argument, my drama for something good in my life. I hope that Jesus will come back and make life better. I hope that he will end all suffering I hope that he will end all pain. I hope that there will never be mourning or death or crying or grieving again. I hope that Jesus will make all things new. Yes, that's biblical hope. It it might not happen today or tomorrow, but it will happen because God has promised. And friends, hope, hope is where I I brought back this rope. (laughs) Some of you have seen my rope before. I put this up. Two-inch piece of black tape on the end of a 150-foot rope I brought from Amazon. And biblical hope is where God says, you know, right now, life might be dark and it might be messy. And uh, maybe your body doesn't feel like you want it to. Uh, Maybe you're facing tons of pressure at work. Maybe this world is so broken you want to cry when you open the newspaper. Maybe your closest relationships are really complicated right now. But it will not be like this forever that God has given his guarantee that there is a tomorrow where we will wake up and things will be different and they will be better. And God, in his incredible mercy and love, says that he will change things. What is hope? God says hope is our for sure future. And that brings us to part number two. We talked about what is hope. Second, I want to talk about where is hope. Check out this great passage from Hebrews chapter 10. The author there said, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Now, why can you hold on to biblical hope? Like unswervingly, without a doubt, without a, a second guess? Well, the answer is because the one who promised, the God who promised is faithful. When God says something in the Bible about the future, he's not guessing because he's God. Uh, in other words, God is not like your super optimistic, the glass is always half full kind of friend. And if you have a friend like that who just thinks everything's going to work out, always sees the silver lining, and you're sitting next to that friend right now, <laughs> the friend who says, I'm sure it's going it's to be fine. I'm, I'm sure the lump is nothing. I'm sure he's going to come back to you. I'm sure you'll work it out. I'm sure... I'm sure if God closes a door, he's going to, he's going to open a. Right, that friend, Um, and not to rip on your friend that I haven't met just yet, but she doesn't know that. She doesn't. She's guessing. She hopes so. (laughs) But she earthly hopes so. She wants and she wishes, but she doesn't know the future, and neither do you. But but guess who does? God. And so when God promises something about your tomorrow, He already sees the tomorrow. Uh, When God says, maybe not tomorrow and maybe not the day after, but someday soon, this will happen, who in all the universe has the power to stop God from making it happen? The reason you and I can put our hope in biblical hope is because the God who promised is faithful. So grab your pens and write it down this way. Uh, We talked about what is hope, where is hope, hope is a for-sure future that comes from a faithful God. And brothers and sisters, this is why I love Joe's t-shirt. Actually, if you're live here in church today, would you turn around for a second and look at the guy standing at that camera? That's Joe. Can you say hi to Joe? Hi, Joe. (laughs) Joe is not just one of the nicer guys you're going to meet after church. He also has the largest collections of cool Christian t-shirts that I've ever seen. And uh, he's wearing a shirt today that I asked him, I requested something for Joe's wardrobe. And just in case you can't see it in the back in the darkness, let me show you a picture of it. Joe has a great shirt that says, Hope will not be canceled. You know, the game might be canceled and the school year might be canceled, the holiday parade might be canceled, the Thanksgiving dinner might be canceled, but there's one thing that will not and cannot be canceled, hope. Because, as Hebrews 10 says, the God who promised us is faithful. Man, and this is why, maybe starting today for some of you for the first time, I want you all to become people who read the Bible. I just want to say that, like, unashamedly, unabashedly, before you reach for the paper, before you grab your phone, before Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, before a, a football game, before anything, I, I want you to become the kind of person who every single day reaches for the Bible. And here's why. When, when your team has the number one draft pick and there's an amazing pick that could like, change the franchise for a decade to come, you, get, you are the kind of person when someone makes a prediction about tomorrow and it's good, you get, you get jacked up about it. except you spend most of your time, like I do, reading predictions of people who have no clue about the future. So today, I'm asking you to become the kind of person who gets connected to the only one who knows the future. You know, every single Christian in their life has to come to that point when they just make a decision to stop figuring out how they feel on any given day, and they just do it. Maybe you're going to be the only woman in your circle of friends who, when she wakes up, she doesn't check social media and, and post an update and take a picture of her breakfast. She opens up the word and she fills up her soul with the only thing that can really make you feel good for the long term, not some want or wish or guess, but the promise of a faithful God. Friends, hope is a beautiful thing, it's a for sure future. And where do you find it? In the words of a faithful God. If you do that, like Joe's t shirt says, your hope will not be canceled. And that brings us to one last question. Uh, The question, who? Who out there needs hope? Well, my short answer is everyone. (laughs) Who doesn't need that? But one of the Bible's most famous passages about hope mentions a group of you in particular. That passage is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, and it says this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Who needs hope? People who feel like they can't even walk. They can't run. They're faint. They're weak. They're tired. They're weary. Read this whole chapter, and you'll find out that The Bible says even young men grow weary. Even high school juniors who should be so strong that their their bodies are about as strong as they will get, even guys like that can grow weary. But those who put their hope in the Lord can renew their strength. If you're taking notes, I'd fill in the last blank this way. Who needs hope? Hope is for the weary. (laughs) For everyone else, too, but especially for the tired, the weak, and the weary. And so maybe God has a special word for you today. Uh, If you came into church today or you are watching at home and you are just, you are tired. You are physically, emotionally just, you are tired. You are tired of trying to say no to that same old temptation and some days getting it right and lots of days getting it wrong. You are tired. You're tired of your family being as, as messy and as argumentative as it is. Well, why can't you just unconditionally love and forgive and you're, you're, you're tired? And you're tired of work being the same thing day after day after day, week after week, and month after month. You're, you're tired. You're, you're tired of this country. You're tired of your chronic pain. You're tired of depression. You're just, you're, you're done with it and you can't do it anymore. If that's you, the Bible says, put your hope in the Lord. Because Jesus invited us, come to me, all of you who are worn out and downtrodden and weary, and I will give you rest. I will make things different. I will speak a word to you that will get you up off your knees and let you walk again, let you run again, like an eagle, let you soar again. Jesus Christ says that you can come to Him and find the kind of hope. (laughs) that can make the tiredest Christian get ready to run the race of faith, that you could say with the Apostle Paul, I can do this. I'm not giving up. No, I'm going to keep trusting in God even if my body hurts like it used to hurt. She and I, it was a bad day. It it was a bad week. Things got intense, but it doesn't have to be like that. We can love each other. God can help us. Man, I said yes to that sin a thousand times, but today is a new day and I can do all things through the one who gives me strength, the one who gives me hope. I'm I'm not giving up. I am not giving in. I don't have to because there is a faithful God who walks with me. A God who is so faithful and so for me that he came into this world. Two thousand years ago, Jesus left the glory of heaven and he came and he lived and he died and he rose so that you and I could have hope. We could have the hope of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, plug yourself in to this word and to this God, to this Savior who came into the world to be your light and your hope, and you'll start to walk, some of you will start to run, and many of you will start to soar. That's the power of one of the Bible's greatest gifts, the gift of hope. Let's pray. Father, in in many ways, we wish uh, we didn't have to wait for the future. (laughs) Uh, Many of us would love it if you could just snap your fingers and make things better before this prayer is over. Uh, But we know life doesn't work that way and you have purposes even in the midst of our pain and so, God, we wait for you. We are strong and we take heart and we wait for you because you're worth waiting for. I want to pray today, God, for for everyone there who's kind of stayed on the fringes when it comes to faith. They show up a Sunday or two on on Christmas and Easter but they haven't taken that step to plug themselves in to the hope that you offer. For, For those who've been intimidated by the Bible or tried in the past but don't have that regular connection, Father, you want to speak to them. You want to speak to us day after day so that we would always have hope, would always have a reason to get up and run and fight the good fight and run this race called faith. Help us, God. Don't let the devil dupe us (laughs) to look to other voices and other sources who are simply guessing to find our hope. We want to look to you. So help us establish those habits and get rooted in Jesus. But more than anything, God. I thank you for the hope that is already ours. It isn't based on how many church services we attend or how many chapters of the Bible we read. Thank you for sending Jesus to be born in this world that we could have real hope. I pray today, Father, for everyone who is hurting, everyone who is struggling, (laughs) never, ever, ever let them believe that this will endure forever. The only thing that endures forever is you and your love and the grace that we find through Jesus. So God, help us to get up tomorrow and fight again, to try again, to work again, and to know that behind us every step of the way will be the God who is faithful, the God who gives hope. We pray all these things in Jesus' beautiful name. And all God's people who wanted more hope in their hearts, They joined their voices and they said, Amen. You, (laughs) yeah, you can make a powerful difference. 2,000 years ago, God sent his one and only son into this world to give us life. Abundant life, an eternal connection to God. And still today, when people hear the good news about Jesus, they receive that exact same life. And that's where you come in. But recently, some incredibly generous friends have offered us a $450,000 challenge grant. You heard that right, $450,000 so we can give more life to more people. That means that every time you generously give to Time of Grace before December 31st, your gift is going to go twice as far, it's going to impact twice as many people and they're going to find the life that is truly life in Jesus. Uh, It makes me think of a woman that we've met named Jan. Jan once said, This morning I discovered your website and watched the sermon on disappointment and anxiety. It was wonderful. And your closing comments gave me great comfort. I try to see Jesus right beside me every day, but with anxiety, it's not always apparent. I just wanted to say thank you. And she's not the only one. Through this incredible grant, you and I can help reach more people just like Jan with the amazing life that is only found in Jesus.
1: To thank you for your generous gift to meet the $450,000 challenge grant, Pastor Mike wants to send you our 2022 spiritual growth calendar, along with his book, Words That Matter. Make 2022 a year where God plants beautiful truths in your heart with the spiritual growth calendar. It features an elegantly displayed scripture verse each month, prayers and suggestions for your personal spiritual growth. And in Words That Matter, Pastor Mike looks at the words hope, joy, peace, and love. Request your calendar and book when you give to our $450,000 challenge grant by December 31st by calling 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin 53201. Or text TIME to 313131 to give today.
0: Hey, hey, it's Pastor Mike. Thanks for listening today. You made it this far into the podcast, so I know you didn't entirely hate it. (laughs) And hopefully you enjoyed it a lot. There's actually something else I think you'd really enjoy, and it's our latest podcast from my friend C.L. Whiteside. Uh, I could gush about C.L. and his gifts and the message he's bringing to the Time of Grace community but instead, I'm going to let CL tell you in his own words what his podcast is all
2: about. There's this reoccurring theme on social media that I've been seeing on Instagram, on, on Twitter, on TikTok. And that theme is, do whatever makes you happy. Man, that, like I look at that, that's super dangerous to say. And I know what people really mean, though. They really mean is do what makes you happy as long as it doesn't bother me or it doesn't bother someone else that I, I care about. And why I say that's silly is because like our simple nature, the desires of our flesh will have us happily destroying ourselves. And what's eye opening, what's just fascinating is that the happiness we think this stuff of this world will bring us like it really doesn't last. Most people aren't going to tell you that truth. Most things on social media don't portray that. It seems like it lasts forever, but it doesn't. Join me, CLY Tide, on my podcast, The Non-Microwave Truth. Search The Non-Microwave Truth wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.